You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 59. In this episode, Ella and I talk about disconnected relationships, connecting with your truth, enhancing your rhythms of your natural body cycles, connecting with nature and how you can tap into nature's rhythms. Also, tapping into your central space of your body, depleting your own brain power. We talk about supporting locals and the female economy, harnessing in on your own sexual power and lots more. It's a really beautiful episode. Ella is such a beautiful soul and I trust that you're going to enjoy this as much as we did. Before we jump into it, I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. Well Women Academy is a weekly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only, self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, video, audio, and guided home study. Led by myself and other pioneering guest teachers, together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and lots more. This is your chance to join an international supportive community of women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition and illuminate your life. It's like no other in the world. Not to mention it's cheaper than your daily coffee fix. Learn more and join us at wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. Hey, Ella, welcome to the show. I'm really blessed and excited to have you here today. Hey, how are you? I'm really well, but how are you? Tell me, what day of your cycle are you on and what are you checking in with? I ask all of our guests this. Um, Well, I just started bleeding, so happy yay to me. Um, (laughs) And perfect timing for you having just wrapped up a great event on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just started bleeding, so that feels good. I felt a little tender leading up to today, but I actually have a really good relationship with my my menstrual cycle, so it never really throws me too much, and I feel like I'm pretty consistent with my 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 moon. So I'm lucky. Fantastic. And have, would you say that your cycle's kind of always been like that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I didn't take a lot of um birth well no birth control um mainly from the fact that I sleep with women so I don't really need it but I haven't really played around with much um you know chemical substances so I feel like my body has just kind of been in a state since I was 14 to naturally do what it's supposed to do beautiful so beautiful well tell our listeners a little bit about yourself like what is it that you do what are you known for and like what is it that you share with the world um well my name is Ella uh I guess predominantly I work with women um yeah mostly women um helping to connect them either to land themselves or their significant others um or community as well um I run events in the Byron area and I also have a not-for-profit business um where I take um landfill clothing and repurpose it with 
um, powerful political images and then resell that on. Um, I'm also a writer and um, I work in Ballina um, every week, mentoring Indigenous high school students, um, women, and yeah. You have a lot on your plate, but you are making such a great difference and change in the world for women specifically. And it's one reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast to chat about um, different things around sexuality and connection. Now, I know that you're known as a connection coach and a lot of women might see that online and go, oh, they might go check out your profile on Instagram and go connection coach. Like, what is this all about? So what is a connection coach? Um, so basically there are three different tiers in which I work with, um, because connecting somebody with themselves. So how to connect with things like your intuition, how to connect with your body, how to connect with your own truth. One really big thing that I like to push is like, um, accountability, but also this idea of like, you know, really owning your integrity and owning your authentic self. I think that's like the most important part of connecting with yourself is that you're being true in every moment. So um, I do work with that. I do work with connecting people back to the land. So through various studies over the last 10 years, including bush tucker, horticulture, um, rewilding, I, I also take people into the bush or I coach them on how to connect deeper into um, the natural environment in those spaces. And as we move more into a technological world, I, I feel like this work is, is really needed, is really needed mm -hmm. to actually like settle in people's bones and like make them realize the importance of our, our mental health and our health in general when we're closer to nature. Um, and then the third tier is connecting with other, other. So I guess I've spent the last kind of six years on and off in a lot of, um, sacred sexuality spaces. And, um, um, you know, I got my Tantra practitioner certificate, but I don't really align so much with the word Tantra, but that's what I do with the other is connecting people and how they can build a stronger relationship, whether it be with their significant sexual partner or just their community members. So beautiful. I have so many questions about all of this. One of them is, and I, as someone who studied ancestral health and how our ancestors used to live, treat, heal, cure, diagnose, disease it in the body, I'm always teaching that we're not just on the earth, we're of the earth. Like we literally vibrate with the earth. And I think as women, we have this innate ability to connect with the earth in a very divine way more so than the males, simply because of our moon cycles. But I would love to hear from you. Like, let's talk briefly about the topic of being disconnected in this world, because I think it has a huge responsibility or impact on our general health. Like I see it from fertility health to cycle health to mental health. I think every health element within our bodies is affected by the fact that we just don't spend enough time outside in nature, away from buildings and Wi-Fi and technology. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's like any relationship you have. It takes work and it takes time. And what I see in this modern society is that people don't have time to sit by a tree or lay on the earth or, you know, bathe in the rivers or even spend time at the beach. It's like if we want to have a strong relationship with the earth, we need to invest in it just like we would invest in our children, just like we would invest in our partners, just in like we would invest in our friendships. Mm. And 
I think once you start to do that, then you get an experiential kind of, I guess, embodied um, experience of, of wanting to protect that thing. For me anyway, that's my own personal experience. The more time that I spent in nature, the more I questioned what I was buying and the impact that was having on her, um, the way that I was walking in the world um, and how my actions directly affected her because I developed a deep love and a, and a relationship that went beyond just the superficiality of looking at her. I realized how important our symbiotic, symbiotic relationship was. Mm, it really is. And I think that people make it too complicated to simply like get out in nature. <laughs> they overthink it. They want it to be perfect. But just like I know for me, if I've been stuck inside working all day and I live quite close to the beach, if, even if I just get on my bike, it's like three blocks to the beach and I just stand on the sand for less than five minutes, just that alone can like bring me back to home in my body. Um, but what are the biggest shifts that you see with people spending more time in nature and connecting on that side of the scale to disconnect with, you could say, the city life world? Mm. I think it has a slower pace. I think there's a lot to learn from nature, which we can only learn by actually being in it. I'm a really big believer in the experiential learning space rather than, you know, constantly having to just read through books or texts or we're so social media heavy nowadays that like I think a lot of the ideas that we accumulate are often not experiential um, lessons. And so what I find from nature is that she actually like allows that to land in your body. You know, there's a slower pace that takes, um, on when you're in nature, but also it's really reflective of, of having to, um, be able to go with the flow, being able to like move within, um, those spaces and not have to, um, you know, resist change. I think nature is a really powerful space for creating change within us. I think you're spot on. And something that we could talk about is your sensuality. I think that the more time you spend in nature means the more time your senses are activated in my mind. But so tell me like if I'm wrong. Um, and then therefore that then activates a deeper level of sexuality. Like, and with your experience in taking people through those, like those steps through connection, what is it that you see is like the missing link? A lot of people want sexual pleasure and they want to have a, se a heightened sexual experience, but what's like the, the founding steps? Is that being in nature? I mean, personally, I think it's, it's being active and I think being in nature just as, a, you know, bushwalking or swimming in rivers, you know, your body is moving with nature and the rhythms of nature. I think that plays a really key role in sexuality. I think unless you have uh, an able, you know, like um, motion body, you know, how can we really like tap into that sensual space, I guess, is, is something that I kind of always look at is the activeness in our body, you know, like how rigid we are in comparison to how flexible we are. And I know when I'm in nature, like, you know, I'm moving rocks, I'm like moving sticks, I'm climbing up mountains, I'm using my body in a way that isn't designed in the way that the world is kind of paced for us in suburbia or in the city. It's really, it's activating different muscles. It's, it's activating different brain muscles, but as mm. well as body muscles. Oh my God. I'm like, my heart is vibrating just listening to all of this and something that just popped into my mind that I love to do 
is around the headlands and I'm very fortunate to live and I know you do as well live quite close to coastline and have amazing headlands is to just walk on those volcanic style rocks barefoot and just walk and walk and walk on the rocks like not on the sand just walking on the rocks and there's just something so amazing about how you use your feet and your toes to grip and to hold on and your balance it really makes you present in your body and it's something that I think that a lot of us are very disconnected with. But as women, how, like, how can women tap more into their sensuality and use nature as a tool to do that? I think presence is a really powerful thing, and you just noted that. I think, you know, embodiment, like whatever forms can get you out of your head and into your body. And, you know, sometimes that's just like stick your head underneath a gushing waterfall or, or dive in the waves. You know, water is really good for bringing us back to our body. But I think it's also key to look at the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system in these spaces because as women, unless we feel safe, comfortable and relaxed, it's going to be very hard for us to open sexually or intimately with any body and that's something that nature kind of attunes us to you know I don't know many people that step out into nature and then are constantly oh my god I'm incredibly stressed you know in fact it's the opposite they step out into nature and they feel a sense of relaxation mm. and so that is a good way to kind of like think about how can I calm my body to be relaxed so therefore I can open because if you start to tap into those spaces you'll open a portal of sensuality that you may not have discovered prior to that I love it I love that that's such a great highlight let's talk about sexual power I know it's something that you love to to talk about but let's just start off by asking the question like what is sexual power um I think you know it's for me, and, I, and I'll talk just to my own experiences because I just want to, you know, reiterate that everybody is so different and everybody is so perfect in their difference as well. But for me, it's like the clear knowing of my unapologetic truth. It's the knowing myself as well. You know, the power that I hold with myself as a sexual being is actually that I've taken the time to deeply learn myself and to deeply love myself. And that has what that is what has created the power for me, I guess, in my life is is that full understanding that I know who I am, the direction I'm going, and I'm really proud of it. That's really beautiful. I feel with some of the women that I've worked with that when, if I was to mention sexual power to them is that they would be referencing sexual power with strength and dominance as opposed to inner power and inner knowing. How do you differentiate the difference between the two? I think we live in a world that's very, um, or it's, it's shifting. And I think you'll know this too, like massively shifting that it's gone from like, Oh, we learn about sex in, you know, magazines and through watching movies and through watching porn is that sexual power though versus the power of essence of sexual energy? 
I mean, I think power is subjective to every person, you know, one woman's power can be saying no, and another woman's power can be saying yes, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and that power doesn't take on these um, kinds of labels, these linear labels that we try to place on it, you know, that power looks a certain way, it's got to be like a power suit or something like power can be fragile, power can be really delicate, you know, but it's, it's the feeling, you know, and you can't put a good or bad on a feeling. I think, Mm. you know, emotions are subjective, you know, just because you're crying doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. Just because you're in power doesn't mean that that's a good thing. You know, it's all about the feeling and about the person who's embodying that feeling. And, and that, that's what your power is. I mean, people know what it feels like to be in power, you know, Mm. because we've had glimpses of of our life, but it's trying to figure out how to, maintain or hold that power in a really integral way and i use the word integral really importantly because power can also be really destructive if it's used manipulative or if it's used to control other people if it's used as something outside of ourselves what i'm picking up is that what you're saying through sexual power is that it's really about sexual empowerment or feeling empowered through sexual experience sexual energy is that right yeah, I mean, I think sexual power for women is is the power to have a choice. Mm. And I think like also we need to recognize that there are many, many women and in fact, in fact, the vast majority around the world who don't have choice in their sex or their sexual decisions. And so how do we then as privileged women walk with the choice that we have in order to impact the the lives of those women but also the next generations of women to come it's really our responsibility to lead the way as role models i love that and it comes back to what you were saying before about the the work that you do in connecting women with their own truth and helping them literally become true to themselves and i i like you go yeah i mean i think you know, something I've learned over my very small amount of life on this planet so far is that it's actually really difficult to tell the truth, your own truth, but just truth in general. You know, we, we live in a society where it's like really easy to put on a mask and lie about our emotional state or even lie about things that we did on the weekend, you know, but I, I, I've just found that that's, that doesn't really serve anyone. It definitely doesn't serve the person lying. And so I I know that it can be scary, but what I would like advise is that like you have the courage to tell the truth in every moment and do it, like walk towards it, even if it's uncomfortable, because this is where you meet your edge of growth and this is where you'll find your power. Oh, wow. That's, I want to, I want to like hone in on that for a moment. So for the women who don't feel like they have the courage to speak their truth and be truthful, or they struggle with building the courage. And I know that, you know, with a lot of clients that I'm currently working with one-on-one now, courage is a big word that comes up a lot, courage and shame. They're feeling shameful about even just feeling attractive in their bodies or even just feeling flirty in their body, in their bodies. They feel shame or guilt that they, step out into the world and they feel a little bit sassy for the day. But how, like, what are three tips that you could give someone, Ella, um, or maybe the clients that you work with around building up their own courage in the world that we live in today? I think if you check into yourself and you're leading with an open heart in your highest integrity, then you can walk through the world without kind of giving a 
Can I swear? Yeah. Oh, without giving a fuck, you know? <laughs> and I and I say that in not in the way of like, don't give a fuck, don't be held accountable. But like, if you're living to your highest integrity with your heart open, then don't give a fuck what other people think. Because mm-hmm. the reality is we're always going to come across people who want to challenge us. We're always going to come across people who don't see eye to eye with us. But if we don't live our own truth, then we're lying to ourselves, you know, and we're actually not doing justice and weeding out the people that we need in our life to support us by lying. What we're doing is just creating, you know, extra threads of people who aren't going to be supportive to us because they don't have the same viewpoints or morals or, or ways of living. And that would be one, one way to walk through life is with courage. I guess the other way is... <laughs> You know, truth is incredibly vulnerable in every moment when you actually access the point of yourself where you're like, I am so scared to tell you this, but this is what I need to tell you. When you are received by another person and you crack open in your vulnerability, like it's very hard for people to say, no, I can't accept your truth. Or maybe they do say that, but at least you've created that conversation now. Mm. And you're talking from your own experiences and your own feelings. It's not, it's not something that can be so easily challenged. You know, when we're really walking in our own truth, it's like people either have to accept it or not. And that's okay. It's also okay for people to fall away, you know? And I think the last one would be like one thing that I always ask, ask myself is like, if, if I was going to meet me, would I date me? You know? And if so, like question. Yeah, for sure. Like, do I like me as an individual that I would fall in love with myself? And, and, and that is something that as I get older, it's a more affirmative full body. Yes. And I think that's also a really big part of having courage is trusting yourself loving yourself and knowing that in every moment you're making the right decision for yourself and those around you who you love. I just want to pause on that and let, just let that sink in, sink, sink, sick, sink in for everyone who's listening that like me having been recently dating in the last, you could say 12 months is thinking back to those like dating experiences is would I date myself? I just, everyone who's listening, I just want you to stop what you're doing and just think for a second. Do I love myself enough to date myself? Like, would I fall in love with myself? I've actually never heard that question asked before. I've heard similar questions, but it's such a juicy, fucking great question. Like, ask yourself. And if the answer's no, don't freak out, but like explore, okay, what could I do to kind of love myself a little bit more? And something I just was writing notes when you were talking then about, you know, people, people falling away is that I like to think of, you know, we're like a tree and I'm looking at the frangipani tree in my, my yard right now. We're like a frangipani tree. Like we blossom, we grow leaves, we grow, we grow flowers and they might be the people in our community, the people that help support us, but then also the flowers die and the leaves fall and the tree lets go of the, you know, lets go of all of its excess waste and toxins like dead dead leaves but imagine if it was just the tree was wanting to hold on to all of these leaves and that's kind of what it's like in your life is that people will come and go and something that I like to share with my car I'm pulling out my sleeves because I'm getting hot with this <laughs> getting feisty inside bit of a rant is that 
I'm always telling my clients, Ella, that you have your choice of your actions, but how someone else reacts. So if you're being vulnerable and sharing an emotion or a feeling that's coming up and you're just stepping into that. And it's important. I feel as women specifically, I would love men to do this too, but to have women in your life that you can connect with and just be really open. You're like my true best friends. You know, if something's aggravating me or they triggered me, I can just openly express and I'm so grateful they can openly express back, but I can't control how they react to my action. And it's not your responsibility how someone reacts to your action. So if you focus on how you're acting on a daily basis, that's going to help you fall in love, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of accountability that we can start to take for the way that we react to situations, mm. you know, and, and how we present ourselves in them as well, you know, and I think it's really important to remember choice in every moment that we always have a choice we have a choice with our thoughts we have a choice with our words we have a choice with our actions and we actually are lucky to live in a country where our day-to-day -day we can have choices you know and so I think it's really important to remember that privilege and exercise those choices to really be in alignment with you know the greater good and 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 whatever that may mean for you in your own truth you know but I think it's important to remember that. Mm. Exercising your choices. I'm just going to highlight that point for everyone. And let's talk about choices because I know that something that you're really passionate about is like localizing, you know, um, female economy. And if we are of the feminine and not just like, ah, oh, femininity, I'm flowy and I'm in beautiful alignment with myself and I'm always creative and I never make strong, you know, direct decisions. Um, but if we just look at like, supporting females and supporting women i think that alone actually helps the collective rise up and if you're supporting earth and earth is a for those who don't recognize is a feminine plane and that's why Elle is referring to the earth or gaia as her rather than it or him or her um or as her is that I think the more we do that, the more that we can collectively support ourselves. But one of the best ways to support other women is supporting the female economy. So talk to me about your passion about supporting female economy and how that supports female sensual pleasure and love and love for yourself and love for your local community. I think it's important to look statistically along this at this country about who are the biggest caretakers of not only um, our, our youth, but also our elderly, and it's women. Um, mm. It's also important to note that we still have a wage gap in this country between men and women. It's also important to note that superannuation in women is significantly lower than men, and a lot of this has to do with the wage gap, but also it has to do with the fact that they become the primary caretakers of the children in the family, and so miss out on a chunk or extended chunk of time during the workspace where they're not getting their super. And since 2017, we've had a 30% increase in female homelessness for our elderly women in this country. Now, all of those things are pointing to the fact that we're not actually looking after the women who are building our community, who are looking after our generational next generations. Now, this is huge for me because I am a woman, I love women, but also I have women all in my family. Mm. And I believe that the imbalance in this country and the 
society that we're, that we're living in is that the women are not valued. They're not valued as, I guess, women doing women's work in whatever that space is. But where is the equality between a man who goes to work five days a week and a woman that's a mother for the rest of her life? every single hour of the day you know and what i'm really trying to do and push with the local female economy is people starting to move away from these ideas these old paradigms of success and what success looks like and start trying to change that and then perhaps you know the 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 housemaker the mother the woman perhaps that is the number one role that we should be looking at. Maybe that should be the highest paying role and then we'll start to see a difference. I mean, I live in an area where there's significantly low employment rate and there's a significantly high population of women. So my whole idea of moving forward in the next couple of years is trying to bring back this female economy. And one way I'm trying to do that is with a not-for-profit event that I'm running called The Returning, which, you know, slowly and surely as we start to build, hopefully we'll get traction and, and funding to really start to funnel money back into these spaces that don't seem, um, they don't seem important, you know, like the women that are out there who are, who are growing the herbs, who are tending our gardens, who are raising our children, who are, you know, doing the most incredible job for the world and for the next generations, I want to be able to be able to support those women. They're my main focus. Oh, this is beautiful. And I think there's going to be a lot of women who are listening to this and hearing it shared in this way for the very first time, Ella. So thanks so much for sharing. And I, I, the first thing I think is of when I hear of different elements, not even just this topic, but any topic, I'm always like, well, what are some things that I could do today that I could start to shift or make a change to immediately support my local economy. So if I'm thinking like where I live on the Gold Coast, um, in the eastern side of Australia, for those who are from overseas, is, all right, well, what, could, what are three simple things that I could do that aren't going to completely overwhelm me <laughs> that I could just start to do today to make an impact to supporting locals? I mean, first and foremost is food. Um, I would say either try to grow your own food or support local farmers with with attending farmers markets or at least going to farmers markets. I mean, the global economy has been one of the most detrimental things to our environment and to our well-being because I could go into this for so long, but basically the global trade is it's it's ridiculous. You're getting say cheese from New Zealand, it's going to China to be packaged, then sent back to New Zealand and then being put in Australian shelves and sold to people like that. There's no sustainability around the food miles with that. So a big thing is coming back to our food source and remembering that if we have connection to our food source and we support our local farmers, that we're always going to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. A really massive thing. The second one would be looking in your local area of... um, local businesses, local entrepreneurs, if you could, can go to, you know, um, I don't know, a big health food store and spend a lot of money on, say, Dr. Bronner's, which is an American brand, why don't you look for an alternative? Maybe there is like, you know, a smaller company in your local area who are also doing organic soaps and that sort of space. Um, and the third one would be clothing. I mean, that. I mean, they're all really equal, but in terms of 
you know, looking at local designers, actually looking at where people are getting their clothing made and trying to localize that, even if it's shopping at op shops. But really, I think being aware of where we're spending our money, making sure that it's not going into sticky overseas um, slave labor um, chain type clothing mm. is a really impactful way and I and I think when if people start to dive deeper and I do encourage people who are listening to this podcast to to do a little bit of um, work on localization just a, a bit of their own research it, it, it has a flow-on effect for everything the environment the next generations um, economy everything so don't be fooled to think that because we're getting bigger and grander and more global that that's somehow benefiting us as the individuals that live in this society, what it's actually doing is creating a bigger wealth gap between the rich and the poor. Yeah, you're spot on. And they're such simple things to do. But imagine if we all took little simple action. Like I remember when the first farmer's markets opened here on the Gold Coast. Now, I know if you head south of the border towards where you are, there's been farmer's markets for donkey's years, right? Whereas here they've been, I think it's the eighth year that they're in. And as soon as they started, I started going to the markets. But looking at the market fashion and how it's on trend to now shop in a market, I think that if we all simply could make better choices in how we select our food, not to mention it's great for your health because you're supporting the local farming economy, but you're also supporting your body by buying what's in season and eating in season. So there's a lot of really great benefits to doing that. but supporting local brands that's something that like i'm a brand i want to support myself when my friends are brands i want to support them too and having had or having a degree in fashion having studied fashion and worked as a swimwear designer for four or five years like i know what it takes to like make your own stuff and it's beautiful and it's something that i've restarted doing is that make your own things like i make my own makeup remover pads and i've make my own clothing and if not, I open up my cupboard and I swap with my sister or my best friend and I'm like, oh, I come home from my trip and I'm like, oh, I've got like 40 new outfits because I didn't take them as in my bag for five weeks. So we, we don't have to be so fast fashion and simplistic is like the most impactful. And I'm on a rant now, but what the final point I'll make is that I remember seeing, I don't know what, I don't know celebrities, but it was a celebrity who recently was like at the Oscars or the Globe and Gold, like whatever they're called, the awards thing, and where they get all the fancy dresses and she wore a dress that she'd already worn before in mm. um, stance of like, I'm not buying any new outfits. Like I, I, I know like I, she was an older lady. She probably would have, I'll describe her because I don't know her name. Um, older lady, like in her 50s, kind of like short, white, grey kind of hair and she was wearing a red dress. And it was quite, it was like a long full length dress. And, you know, it was all like, oh, you know, she's making a stand that she's decided that she's not buying any, any new clothing. She's got enough clothes that will last her. It's so true. Like, who cares if you're in the same stuff all the time? And we, I mean, on, on that note, where there's actually a local woman here called Zoe Gamu, whose partner did um, a really amazing documentary called 2040. Um, mm, and yes. she came out with a campaign last year called um, 
one green dress or little green dress, but I, I think it's one green dress. And basically what she did was wore it to every premiere of um, 2040, but also all other kind of like media runs and everything to promote the fact that, it, especially in, in the film and television world, there's this idea that we always have to have something new at all of these kind of you know events where we're getting photographed and what she was saying is no we don't and I'm gonna like push this little this one green dress and I'm gonna you know really support just for 12 months wearing this to every big occasion and I think I encourage women to do that because we we don't really need to change our clothes that much you know no no you're right just, just for health reasons, it's good to change and wash your clothes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I, I, you know, I'm definitely in this space. I, I, I'm really big on trying to maximize brain power. And I have a, a mentor who told me that one of the one of the quickest ways to deplete your brain power for the day was trying to make choices in the morning of what to wear. You know, so I'm like, great. How can I be the most ultimate feminist I possibly can? I have one pair of pants that I got duplicated four times into four different colors. And I wear those pants consistently. There's not much else that I will wear. And then I just alter the top. So that's one choice I have to make. Honestly, it is such a freaking good idea. And if you look at now, this is not being sexist, but if you look at males, they generally, I know my partner, he's I'm not even joking you. He has, it's all Australian cotton. Um, he used to be a, a cotton farmer in um, different type of farmer now, but basically he has like 12 pairs of the same shorts and they're only in three, four colors and he mm. wears the same t-shirts and literally that's his outfit like all the time. But for men, it's totally more acceptable in society that it's okay for them to do it. But as females, it's like, Oh no, I have to be seen in this next thing. And blah, like, why? I love yeah. the green dress idea. Yeah. It's good. You should check her out. Zoe. She's also a new mama. So I'll pop a link in the, um, I'll find it and I'll pop a link in the show notes. So if you guys don't know where it is, head to the show notes and I'll pop it all in there. But oh my God, Ella, we've like, we could just keep talking about all so many great topics. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode and sharing a lot about, gosh, sensual power, sexual power, um, your like being connected, speaking your truth, stepping into vulnerability. God, the list goes on. And now also wrapping up with, you know, ending on how we can support the female and feminine like economy around us but also it's more than that it's just supporting the locals and I think supporting locals supports local families supports money back into families and then that supports the, like the mothers and the women um but thank you so much I've loved this I have a final question for you mm-hmm. ask all I guess this but what are three guiding tips that you would give to your younger menstruating self so think back to yourself as like a 14, 15 year old, um, teen beginning to menstruate. What are three tips you would give yourself that you wish you knew then that you now know today? My first one would be, um, be patient with yourself and allow yourself the time that you need at the beginning of your bleed. Um, the second one would be voice when you're bleeding let people know. I think that conversations around women's blood and the menstrual cycle should be less taboo and that people should know what we're going through and what our bodies are going through. Yes. And the third one would be um, like just love, love it. Love it, lap it up, put it on your face, just like free bleed in the earth, whatever you want to do because 
there is such strange stigma around the fact that blood is disgusting and that periods are gross and especially for young women. And the reality is if we did not have that, we would not be able to create life. That is a clear clear symbol of the fact that we are creatresses and so that should be deeply honored and our body should be deeply honored for everything that it does and never in any way should it be seen as gross Mm, i hands down for all of that and just celebrating your bleed is something so beautiful and something that i teach in uh, the well woman academy actually ella is that getting to know your menstrual blood is a gift Yeah. And if you think ancestrally, and I know you're really down and into all this stuff is that women were the only people who could bleed and not die. You know, it was seen as like a beautiful art and a gift and like, you could call it witchcrafty, but like, how are you bleeding this much and not dying? And if you think about that today, we bleed and we kind of just forget and we don't want to talk about it. We don't want people to see it, but it's a freaking superpower. Mm Mm-hmm. So I love that you, you shared that as your final point. So thank you so much. And I want all of our young teens and tweens to know this. So um, thank you. And thanks, from Jen. the bottom of my heart, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. How can everyone find you? Like if they're like, hey, I need to get in touch with this chick. How yeah. can they find you and learn more about what it is that you do? Um, they can head to my Instagram, um, Eleanor Bancroft. I think it's underscore. And then also my website is eleanorbancroft.net. Um, or shoot me an email on eleanorbancroft at gmail.com. Amazing. Well, I will include all those in the show notes uh, for everyone to be able to find you. And again, Elle, thanks so much for joining us. Mm, Thanks, um, Jem. It's been juicy. I've loved it. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women Podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.